2: Live from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the
3: Outkick Network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Outkick 360 rolls
4: on across the Outkick Network. Pleased to be joined by the driver of the number 48 American Legion Carvana Honda, full time now in IndyCar after winning NASCAR in the championship seven times two-time Daytona 500 winner. He just competed in the Indianapolis 500 for the Indy Circuit, and now he'll soon be back in Nashville for what is going to be a a great scene, the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix. Jimmy Johnson, our guest on Outkick. Jimmy, good to see you, man.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.
4: Full time this year. How how have things been uh, now? Giving it a go full time with not just the the road courses but the the ovals.
1: It's been a busy year, um, but with all that being said, it's been a, a year full of just amazing opportunities uh, to be able to race in the Indianapolis Five Hundred, and experience the month of May and all the the pageantry that goes with it was certainly a highlight. Um, you know, I I felt like I would have, uh, would have had some better performances at this point of the season on the street and road courses. Uh, but I'm still on this journey of trying to figure out how to drive one of these little bullets on those tracks. Um, I had a 16th place finish in mid Ohio, which, uh, is kind of that area where I feel like I should be running right now on street and road courses and I look forward to the next few races and trying to, uh, you know, trying to be there. Obviously the ovals have been going well. Um, you know, I have one more oval this year and I hope to improve on that finish as well.
0: You know, I don't think you can be the only person in history to win five consecutive Cup Series championships without being prepared when you go into something. But what is one thing, or maybe is it a little bit of everything that you simply can't prepare for until you do it when you make that transition from NASCAR to IndyCar?
1: I'd say the thing that stands out the most is just the intensity and aggression inside the cockpit of the car. And in today's world there's very little opportunity to go to a real track and drive and then on a race weekend the practice sessions are really short and we have an allotment of tires so to really push and find the edge is is tough to do in real life uh, but one of our partners honda has this amazing simulator that i go to once a week and have spent you know honestly, honestly a ton of hours in <laughs> trying to learn tracks in the car but it's one thing to be in a game sending it off into the turn and making mistakes and spinning out Um, And you just can't, you know, put the real life sensations and fear and g-forces on your body in the game. Um, So, you know, really applying the virtual world to the real world has been the trickiest part for me. I found that I've made huge strides in the sim and I'm as fast as my teammates, you know, from Alex Blow, Scott Dixon, you know, I'm, I'm running those times, but then I get to the track and real life consequences are there and I'm about a second off.
4: Jimmy Johnson, our guest. How odd is it to win a rookie of the year honor at 46 years of age? <laughs> I shook my head for sure. But, uh,
1: <laughs> I, I honestly do feel like I am probably the greenest rookie to be in the IndyCar Series. You know, when you look at the young guys that come along, they race in these junior formula divisions and have so much experience in these types of cars and on these tracks. Where I'm showing up, you know, green and cold turkey, and and this is all new to me.
4: You've been racing since you were five. Is there anything you cannot drive? Like, if you were behind, if you're in a cockpit to uh, behind a steering wheel, do you feel like at this point, Jimmy Johnson can literally get behind the wheel of anything and make it work?
1: I feel good if it's on the ground, if we're up in the air, I, I don't have much experience there other than jumping off road trucks. But, uh, yeah, if it's a cockpit, like a plane or a, or a helicopter, I'm not your guy. Your
4: daughter though, can fly, right? She's eight years old and she's, she's actually piloting an airplane.
1: Yeah. She, she's always been drawn to airplanes and flying. And a friend of mine is an instructor and, uh, my, you know, we, we had some time one day and I said, Do you want to go fly. So, Of course, we went up, and then she's a pretty convincing eight-year-old, and uh, and convinced him into letting her have the controls and fly (laughs) the (laughs) plane.
0: And and Also, you said anything on the ground, that's not limited to things uh, with wheels. Uh, You've run half marathons. You ran the Boston Marathon. Is this just something instinctive with you that you're always going to be racing in some way as, as long as you can do it?
1: I think so. I mean, I really do love competition and the the competition I enjoy the most is the one with myself. And I found through all of the, um, you know, as, as trying to stay on top in NASCAR and the training that I was putting in, I was really surprised that cycling, running, swimming, you know, these other, uh, endurance related sports, just how similar they were from a mental standpoint, uh, to, to car racing. And I felt like the stronger I became at it, uh running, cycling, swimming, and the dedication it took. It only carried over to the car and made me stronger physically, stronger mentally, helped me dial in my nutrition and hydration, and just made me a, a better race car driver. So um, I, I chased that for a long time and, and uh, realized that triathlon was like having a, a second, third, and fourth job. And I've kind of paired it back from there and, and just kind of run or, or cycle now.
0: So I'm reading the book Tinderbox, which is a complete history of HBO as a network, and there's a, a big portion about real sports. And I'm reading and I'm reminded, getting ready for this interview, about a great piece they did on you, and then also the 24-7 series that focused in uh, on you. I'm just curious from your perspective, when you agree to do something with a network like HBO, with a show like Real Sports, where you know they're going to dive deep, what were those conversations with your team like when you agreed to do those things?
1: Yeah, they're both huge opportunities, and I feel like real sport—you know—they're—they're they're digging for something usually. And um, you know, I was probably more nervous for that interview, and and so was our group, our team. But you know, the the twenty-four-seven side of it, I, I was and and am a fan of that series, and it was one of my. Kind of wishes. I uh, an agency that helps me try to do different kind of uh, look for different opportunities outside of mainstream. Or I'm sorry, outside of the racing world and more mainstream. And it was at the top of my wish list was to have a 24 seven docu series. And so when that came along, I, I was so happy for that opportunity. And they documented the start of the season leading into the Daytona 500 that year. So um, both big opportunities and and certainly you know on the side to have two camera crews embedded with myself, you know, with me and my family, my race team for weeks on end. It took a little bit of getting used to. Uh, That was not something I was immediately comfortable with. We didn't know what to expect
4: with the Music City Grand Prix a year ago. Uh, Now uh, the drivers are trying to learn the track, and I'm sure people here are trying to make sure they make proper improvements based on driver feedback. How would you describe uh, the, the course here in Nashville and what are you looking forward to in a couple of weeks?
1: Yeah, it's super challenging. And I, I think that race promoters and series directors have a, a tough challenge of trying to make everybody happy. And at the end of the day, it's really about making the fans happy. Um, if it's up to the drivers, we want a smooth track and um, you know one that's pretty forgiving in, in many ways. But I found through my years of racing, the tracks with the oldest asphalt, the most bumps, the quirkiest turns, kind of off the wall stuff creates an opportunity for the drivers to make mistakes. And when we have mistakes, you have passes. When you have mistakes, you have crashes, you know, and then there's cautions and restarts and more action and more to talk about and see. So um, I felt like the the race went off very well last year, probably one of the most action-packed street races. I think IndyCar has seen in quite some time. You even look at the winner, Marcus Erickson, and the, the flight he took early in the race and somehow his car didn't blow to pieces when it smacked down back on the, the asphalt and he goes on to win. I mean, so I felt like it was a great show. And I do know um, the organizers, you know, after coming back for a second year, have a chance to improve the experience for the fans and make it better yet.
4: Is, are you going to be in this for the, for the long haul? I, I know the contract expires at the end of this season. Is it, do you have more years left in you for IndyCar?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm open, honestly. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed myself this year. Um, there seems to be you know, a lot of opportunities showing up for me here to drive and, and then even some stuff uh, when I do decide to hang the steering wheel up and not, not be behind the wheel. So uh, all options are open at this point. This is uh, really the time of the year where teams and drivers and, and sponsors try to hammer all that out. So we're aggressively working on it. We'll see what comes together. So but. what
0: I'm hearing is full-time triathlete <laughs> is going to be your next step since it's a full-time job,
4: right?
1: Man, that is a full-time job. There's no, <laughs> no way around it.
4: Man, it would be weird not seeing you on the track, man. So that, that's why we're appreciating the fact that you're you're doing it now for IndyCar. Thank you for the time. And uh, hopefully we'll see you and connect here in Music City.
1: Yeah, I look forward to it. Thank you.
4: you Thank got you. It. There's Jimmy Johnson, driver of the number 48. Uh, American Legion Carvana Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, It would be strange not seeing Jimmy Johnson race. You know, he went nearly three years on the NASCAR circuit, Chad, without winning. And you mentioned always striving and and chasing something, racing for something. Chasing that seventh and then eighth championship because he would pass Richard Petty and Del Earnhardt for the most of all time. Uh, He didn't get it. But yet he's in IndyCar. Yeah, he's right there. I
0: think in racing, especially, really in every sport, there's always an era that's got some mythology to it. Yeah, and that era that he's chasing is mythological in a lot of ways. So for that reason, I think Jimmy Johnson probably ultimately does not get this level of respect he deserves for his accomplishments. Five the only straight. the only man to go five straight, uh, all the championships there, and now making that transition, and even before NASCAR, the amount of, you, you mentioned, Hunt, but the amount of different types of vehicles that he raced, you know, growing up in the in the circuit, growing up in that world, and able to transition to that. And then a guy to run, you know, the Boston Marathon yeah. in 2019. Also, a very
4: cool getting a chance to talk with, with Jimmy Johnson, who is an absolute legend. Our thanks to, to Jimmy for the time. Coming up, we get you ready for NFL training camps uh, across the country and what general managers and head coaches had to say We'll start in Indianapolis where they discussed Julio Jones potentially teaming up with Matt Ryan. And we'll tell you the Colts' answer to that. That's next
3: on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well.
4: A couple of retirements that you should know about if you're an NFL fan. Outkick 360 rolls on. First, Damian Amendola retiring after 13 seasons, two-time Super Bowl champion. Torched the Uh, Titans just last year. He did. Yeah, He went out with
0: a bang. That was week 18, right? In that game against the the Titans. Final game.
4: Chris Carson is retiring, uh, running back for the Seattle Seahawks. He is retiring on... the. That's the word here, but there's like technical terms here for him to receive the proper insurance money that's headed his way based on how the Seahawks handled this. By releasing him, it allows him millions in injury protection through the league because he'll be released and then retire based on the neck injury because he failed the physical by showing up to training camp so they have waited i think they've known this they've waited for today the official physical yesterday or whatever and then for the the him to be on the list as uh Football injury or whatever it is. Designations. Yeah. And then now he's he's no longer with the Seahawks. He's going to retire. That means that Rashad Penny is going to be in a training camp battle with Kenneth Walker from Michigan State.
2: Rashad Penny finished the year great, but he has trouble staying healthy just like Chris did, who made $9.5 million over five years.
4: How yeah, Carson's only on 27. He's only 27 years old and he has a neck N- issue. Medical retirement with, a, with the neck
0: injury. Kenneth Walker was terrific at Michigan State, so that's could be an, a, a
4: fun battle to watch in training camp between those two. And that Karras. should be a
2: run-first team based on its bad quarterback situation.
4: was watching Chris Ballard earlier today, a general manager for the Colts. Among other topics, he was asked about Julio Jones, free agent, wide receiver, uh, and, of course, his background with Matt Ryan. And not only did the, you know, the, I think the I'm used to the cookie cutter responses, um, especially here with the Titans, who don't want to give any information out and to each his own here. But Carson could have easily said, I'm expecting the response to be, you know, we're, we're looking and evaluating constantly. And, you know, we're, we're going to work guys out and make sure we have the best 53 whenever we cut down to our roster in September. Well, this was the opposite of that where Chris Ballard said that there have been zero discussions, none, about Julio Jones internally within the Colts organization this offseason and that they are continuing to discuss things about bringing T.Y. Hilton back.
2: They should bring T.Y. Hilton back. I don't know how much he has left, but when he's been in your organization that long and you're desperate at his position to, to have something, if he's got anything left, I would think you'd bring him back. Julio Jones, to my understanding, is super wealthy like beyond what he's earned in football. I don't know if he's had struck it rich on some investment or, uh, uh, or has, has made uh, money in another business. I I think he's involved in uh, uh, marijuana distribution in a state where it's legal. And maybe he's done incredibly well on that, but I don't think I I don't picture Julio Jones is coming back to play on a minimum deal. Um, but maybe that's just me and uh he obviously had no juice last year so i you know i don't know what his motivation to play is either
4: agreed um the motivation would be the championship run at the very tail end of the career yeah but that's i mean he could technically choose to do that he wouldn't have to do it in camp right he could do that in october if he wants but if a team like the
2: Colts, that's one of the more receiver-needing teams, yep. has zero interest in exactly. him at this stage, you're, you're going to have to jump when somebody's interested. You can't presume somebody's going to be interested in you later. Um, and
0: I would assume the teams, <clears throat> if they're having a conversation with him or his agent, that's probably the top question. Desire. How into this are you right now at this point in your career, given what we saw with the Titans last year and the drop-off in speed and the, the want-to Constant to play? Haney. And I think the fact that there's no real market right now probably gives you some indication about the lukewarm response they're getting, which may be a take it or leave it type thing with Julio Jones right now, are which they, would
4: scare teams off. You know, and when you see a team twice in a year, I don't know at the top of my head if, if Julio played in both games, chances are not. Uh, but maybe this was with a rare occurrence last year. Um, you know, if you if you're – Game planning against them, and you don't have an issue trying to defend them, then there's no reason to bring them in, really. I mean, and they that, were
2: a bad, bad secondary last year too.
4: But I, you know, I'm thinking uh, the, the only way he he gets discussed is if they suffer an injury now. He's not he's not coming in to add more depth there because he's not going to practice at this stage of his career. He didn't want to do it when he was, you know, uh, the the thoroughbred young guy either, um, and he's. You know, only available here and there in spots. There were times where he's an active uh, member of the roster last year during games, and he's not on the field for some of the biggest plays, which would be third-down plays.
2: He played the first indie game, not the second indie game. Three catches, 47 yards. Four
0: targets in that game. A 25-16 to
4: win in September. So uh, I I found it interesting because everyone has paired those two together, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And it makes sense. It does on paper, if you didn't watch him play last year or you didn't watch his final season in Atlanta, but man, the narrative on him has flipped a lot, not just here, but just last off season, the discussion about where he would be traded, you know, and the big move of the off season that's left uh, undetermined is where is Julio Jones going to end up and turns out a year later, it's an afterthought about yeah. where he ends up.
2: It was the biggest move of the late offseason, right? Early June for the Titans last He year. went
0: from a hot commodity to no commodity at
4: all in, in one season with the Titans. Final thing, and then we'll get to um, Kyler Murray and then irrelevant NFL teams. Um, Bill Belichick uh, on Mac Jones says he has seen a, quote, dramatic improvement in Mac Jones this offseason. And... Uh, The quote was, everyone recognizes how well he prepares and how much further along he is than a year ago. And the Patriots, of course, plan to go with the unnamed Joe Judge. I'm presuming it's Joe Judge as their their offensive coordinator because he's their quarterback's coach.
2: You'd expect a dramatic improvement from any first-round pick heading into his second year at quarterback, right? You reshape your body. You uh, improve on, on the main things that w- were an issue last year, footwork, throwing motion, whatever it is the team's asked you to work on. You're working on at their facility when you can and with your individual coach when you can. So, uh, you know, this is one of those things. If the flip side were true, that'd be a problem. If you're not hearing right. this, you'd be disappointed. This is what you need to hear on opening day camp.
4: So I, I, the, the interesting point is it's, Rare uh, if it's even happened before, it's not been reported to this extent. Kyler Murray gets the big contract extension, the big money from Arizona, and within that is a clause, is a demand that he study film. Is it four hours a day? Four hours a week. Four a hours week. a week. A week. Independent study time is how it's worded. And so the teams can monitor this based on the iPad or the Microsoft device or whatever they're distributing. Um, based on screen time and some of these devices don't have all the apps on it because it's team issued. So wh- if you're on it, you're on it for Troy film yeah. and they can add to and remove Clinton. clips based on the position group, based on the structure of how it's you're going to do practice. very precise. Very precise and he has access to all of it. Uh, so they can keep up with that. It, it's it's alarming that you have to issue this in a contract. Like I, I'm not trying to beat around the bush with that. But this is also the same quarterback that went 7-0 last year and looked like an MVP caliber guy and through the first three years of his career left them wanting to extend him with big money. So it's also odd that Arizona has a player and a franchise quarterback that they have to include that into the new contract. But they felt good enough to give him the big money and tab him as not just the young number one overall pick rookie future of the franchise but now he is the franchise guy based on the money they're giving him over the life of this of this new restructured deal it,
2: it's a concern to me the pairing of the two it's like they're ensuring their investment by making a promise this i don't know if you saw this this came out uh, sarah K. Zia Zeal, I, pr- I presume, from uh, Arizona Sports 98.7 98- last year. Yeah, <laughs> Perfect. I that's the
0: exact pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with, the humming, with
2: the humming and the hawing. Yeah.
0: Uh, Croatian,
2: I He think. said last year, um, or this was, no, this was in the New York Times profile, so she quoted it. I think I was blessed with the cognitive skills to just go out there and just see it before it happens. I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit there and kill myself watching film. I don't sit there for 24 hours and break down this team and that team and watch every game because in my head, I see so much. (laughs) So uh, I I, I mean, he said this and they clearly don't like his study habits to to the point that they put in this addendum. So he does see it that way sometimes. And sometimes he doesn't.
4: And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But you know, if if you're that good, chances are, you know, 60% of the time you're going to end up on the right side of the equation. But in in his case, it's, 100% 100% of the time for the first half of a season, and then 0%, <laughs> 0% of the time of the, second. the second half of a season.
2: Look, Tom Brady is watching a hell of a lot of film, and that's what makes him well,
0: great.
4: not just Brady. Not just Brady. the In the, the back Brady's.
0: half of a season also, you're playing teams of division for a second time. They're getting film on <laughs> well, we you. You're they're tired. Understanding we hope based on the things. NFL
4: schedule that's the case.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's true. You're tired. But as they're the season tired. wears you're on, right. there's more film on your offense. There's more well, curveballs thrown. There's more counters. Wrinkles. To whatever you're doing. There's more so pressure, and there's if, injuries. If you were to think a quarterback, maybe, I don't know, doesn't spend any time watching game, film, or preparing as much, it would be the back half of a schedule where they would not be as productive I'm trying to because uh, the book is out on them, and they're not reading the book. I think it's a bad indictment.
4: I'm trying to figure out like
0: how bad is it because they're paying the guys the second highest paid quarterback in the league. So I think I think it's
2: terrible. They're paying him and and making sure he has to study four hours a week.
0: Both look terrible though. It makes the Cardinals look bad. It makes Murray look bad. Also, how about this? Is this Julio Jones just signed with Tampa Bay? Oh, okay. Wow. Good timing.
2: <laughs>
4: wow. they, the Bucks could t- Couldn't tee it up any better with our discussion about that. So he's now headed to uh, a Bucks team that has depth at receiver and uh, goes to a, a, a franchise where he's he's going to be treated much like he was last year, where he's not going to have to practice all that well, much. he's
2: going to – whatever he needs to do to get some rhythm down with, with Brady, who's going to want as much of that as he can. But once he gets that – then they probably won't care if he practices much. But Brady yeah, wants a certain amount; and he needs a certain amount to get to the point X. Once they're at point X, then he can get away with veteran days off and all of that. Right? No, here's
0: my here's my prediction: He's gonna be great with Tampa and Tom Brady. He'll find he'll find a late career groove for a season uh, with Tom Brady and collect That's my the Super
2: prediction. Bowl ring.
4: You're, you're right. Going back to uh, our, our conversation on Kyler Murray, the the, the thing though is. Whenever he's in rhythm and in flow with whatever, uh, whatever they're doing in Kingsbury's offense, he can make you look foolish. Go, look at Week One oh, against the Titans' defense. I mean, he, he had he had the Titans' defense, um, uh, you know, uh, like a top spinning on the uh, the tabletop. You know, it's just uh, looking over their shoulder constantly with how they were, and it, you know, he's throwing off his back foot at times. It looks like a magic show, and it sometimes you know sometimes you you you're, you wow the audience. And other times it falls flat. And in, in many cases, and Chad, I think you're right, with the the divisional games late in the season, certainly in the playoff matchup where the, the game plan and the quarterback play did not meet up at all, things were not good. And this is now two consecutive years where it has finished that way. And this is the Cardinals trying to ensure that they have they, they feel like they've got the right guy. Do they have the guy paired with the franchise mindset? Right. Well, and four it, hours a week is not that no, much.
0: No, no, it's not. And that's them saying also, we're going to have a lot of preparation built into the day with what we're doing. So you need to do four hours on your own. L- let's go a layer deeper here, because I think we can all make the, the obvious jokes about study hall and everything else, which I've done with Kyler Murray, and he's basically being sent to detention. And there's also something in there wording about the TV can't be on in the background, even if it's on mute. There has to be no other screen on while you're preparing in this independent study time. Um, do, every contract, I'm sure, has some finite language like this within the contract. Who leaked this? Who spelled this out? Well, Or did someone simply get a hold of the contract, read through all of it, and then it jumped out to them so they tweeted out well, this addendum Rappaport, as something interesting?
2: Rappaport put it or, out and a, spun it happily for Murray right away. For Murray? Yeah, he was like, Murray was totally in on this. He's totally up for it. Like, So he, he got it, knew it was bad That's for Murray, but weird. put a oh smiley face kind on of it for is, Murray. He didn't want to piss off Murray's Here's eye.
0: my thought, and you guys tell me if I'm completely off on this or not. My initial thinking was this would be wise to get out there if you're
4: Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, but oh, Kingsbury and Murray have the same agent, so what difference does that make?
0: Well, they, they do, but they, there were some conflicting things going on in the buildup. To everything from both uh, sides where
4: they have the same agent. But it it doesn't benefit the agent and his client, no matter which client he's pointing to.
2: I think it benefits Kingsbury.
4: I think the story benefits Kingsbury, whether it's his agent
0: or not. It could be Kingsbury leaking it on his own. And and, and hold with me on this. Because if you're Kingsbury, and even if it's not the Cardinals, who if you don't win and win big this year, you're probably going to get fired. If you want to project the guys – I am a great offensive coach. I can't be a great offensive coach in the NFL with a quarterback that's unwilling to prepare. And a great example of that is the addendum that my ownership had to put into his contract to have four hours of independent study time. That we have to monitor. Maybe I'm thinking way too deeply on this, but I immediately saw it and thought, this is a great spin job for Cliff Kingsbury to get this out there publicly to where... If things don't go well, he's not going to save his job with Arizona, but does it save face for him in the long run because he's arguing he had a quarterback who wouldn't even listen to the game plan he put on?
2: And Andrew Brandt said in 30 years of looking at NFL contracts, he's never seen anything like it. And then in a separate tweet, he said, contract is heavy on workout bonuses, and now we see an independent study clause. This kind of suggests the Cardinals really wanted to wait another year and evaluate work habits, question mark, but maybe – worried about mind frame of their quarterback and willing to pay dearly just for that strange.
4: Well, this is the off season where they have not just signed their quarterback, but they've extended Kingsbury and Kime through 2027. Yeah. So, I mean, they've gone, they've gone in with some unproven commodities where they could use a year. Honestly, to evaluate both guys. And instead they gave them ex- they the extensions with I both. Pay
0: for I, stability. I, it, and, it, maybe it's just
4: something that was, you know, tipped off to
0: Rappaport and he put it in there. Cause it is an interesting nugget. And obviously a lot of people are talking about it, us included. I hate preliminary excuse making by anyone through the media. And it happens all the time because everyone's out to protect their own rep and they're protect trying to protect their own job. I understand that happens, but I, 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 The more I think about this, the more it feels like to me that this really benefits Kingsbury more than anyone in perception that they would have to put that in there.
4: I guess, but I mean, I can spin it the opposite way. I'd say Cliff, they just, I mean, they drafted a quarterback that openly didn't study film because we felt that your offense was so college-like that he could deal with it without even watching a single (laughs) piece of tape. And oh, by the way, he's had success doing it. He had so much success by not watching film. We just gave him 150 million guaranteed. Have fun. Like if he wanted to really spin it like that, I would roll my eyes and tell him to see the door. Well, who put that in there then? Well, I mean they and the, why the team put it in there because he they want him but to show but, some type of example at, you know, by being a franchise guy.
2: Well, you got to admit it's weird though. Nobody else has ever
4: Yeah, had I mean it. I, everybody I, wants I, their quarterback. I, I, I admit that. at the beginning of this it's weird, but to to say that it makes Cliff Kingsbury look good, I mean, I don't think it makes Cliff Kingsbury look good. But when I think things it's go a, bad, I it think could.
0: it's a hanger to throw out there, a bit of a curveball to say when he's interviewing for an offensive coordinator job or a college job or another NFL job at some point, this is something interesting that's now public knowledge to go back and say, yeah, it did fall apart late in seasons. We had a lot of success with Kyler, but I mean, yeah, you guys saw the story right about how my owner had to put in mandatory four-hour study hall for that quarterback. I promise if I get a quarterback that's willing to put in the work off the field, it's going to be fine with my offense moving forward. It's just something to plant in the back of your mind for if things go south with his next job. I don't know that it's going to work. I don't know that it's going to save him. I don't think it makes him look particularly good, but it certainly doesn't make Kyler Murray look good
4: either. I don't think it, hurts. This being I don't think
2: it hurts Kingsbury down the road. Like well, I, like you're I, saying, I mean,
4: I, I think they're both screwed this year oh, because Hopkins too. is out the first six weeks of the season. I think it's organization
2: so heading down. That's what
4: they're going to point to whenever their their offense sputters early. But I think, been, traditionally, it does not sputter early. They get off to hot starts, and by the time court. the the the, uh, the war of attrition plays a factor, and the the offensive line breaks down, Murray doesn't have the answers to it. And the game plans don't really match what they're capable of doing based on personnel.
2: But they're down Hopkins. They're down Christian Kirk now. It's a it's a little bit different of a situation. So we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm not confident they'll match their hot starts of the last couple of years.
4: No, me neither. Um, so would you put them on the irrelevant list for? I wouldn't teams go. Right now? I wouldn't
2: go that far. But I'm down on them. They're relevant, but they're not. Uh, they're not as relevant as. There's a lot, of other I,
0: I've got a team that uh, I I'm not gonna, I don't know that they're ever irrelevant. This is just personal preference for me. We, we brought this up yesterday about a team that just does not interest us personally, right? You can point to any team in the NFL, and there's something interesting about that team because we love football and we love the NFL. You can pinpoint something. I'm just giving you a team that this year does not spark much interest from me at all, given where they are right now in their franchise, and especially given their quarterback. That's the New York Giants, who's obviously a big franchise in the NFL. Dayball taking over is somewhat interesting to me. I have no interest in Daniel Jones. I think he is a lame duck quarterback. Uh, I've got very little interest in Kadarius Toney, who I know needs to step up and be a big playmaker for them. I think Thibodeau, okay, Let's see where that goes. Maybe, you know, he's a guy that was projected to be possibly the number one overall pick, and they they were able to get him. I I just look at that team right now within that division, and it does not interest me one bit. What about you guys?
2: I'm more interested in the Giants than I am in the Bears. I just uh, I think Justin Fields is out there kind of floating in an island. He's got Byron Pringle and Equiminius St. Brown. Allen Robinson's gone. Khalil Mack is gone. They're two of the few guys on that team that made it at all interesting to me. I just feel like that team's in a black. Iberflus doesn't do it for me. That's a team that's in a, a black hole trying to dig out. And I feel like they're two years away. Uh, and, and we talk over and over about these teams that uh, have done so much to surround their quarterbacks. Miami and the Jets and Philadelphia I'm really curious to see what those quarterbacks do with the surroundings they've given him Has Chicago done anything to to give Justin Fields a chance? I, I feel like we're going to see Justin Fields running, running around uh, to try to save his life.
4: Yeah, We we, didn't, we can go back uh, for those interested. We went into a deep discussion on this, this off season on the, the quarterbacks and how you can look at Justin Fields and compare him to the other second year guys and what, you know, you can argue with what the Jags did, but at least they went and spent money and had a definitive answer to whatever problem they were trying to solve at wide receiver. They went and paid Christian Kirk a ton of money. Meanwhile, the, the Bears did nothing to, to help their quarterback. Um, and then last, last season, trade Khalil Mack off their defense.
2: Plus, and, and the one thing about our two teams, Chad, we're going to see them. I don't know how many primetime games the Giants have, but they'll be out there, you know, because of the market. Chicago's got a bunch because they're the Bears. Two bad teams that will be out there to see a lot. You got one, Hunt? Yeah. yeah.
0: The, the, by the way, the only reason I, I the Bears are way up on my list of lack of interest, the only reason I would exclude them is because I'm interested in all those second-year guys we talked about yesterday at quarterback to see if they sink or swim. So, Justin Fields interests me, but that's
4: about it I for the Bears. I think it's going to sink. Um, so For me, you know, so, so the obvious ones here that we're not going to mention while everyone uh, is uh, blaring – uh, and screaming at the radio, say Seahawks, Texans. Yeah, Seahawks. So th- th- those make obvious sense, and we agree with you. Um, for me, it's Washington, and I think their defense is going to be worth the price of admission. And I'm, I'm going to pay attention to what what they're able to do defensively. They
2: need to bounce back
4: because they, they... Carson Wentz, um, uh, he is he's a beta. I mean, we saw that on full display last year in Indy. Hard Knocks did him no favors. And, and they have uh, – what? well, they did us a favor by knowing what Wentz is like behind the scenes and, and knowing that that offense is – you know, if they're going to be good, it, they're good, not great. And that description gets you nowhere in the NFL. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, Ron Rivera, while he's doing anything he can to – be the voice of reason, quote-unquote, for Washington, releasing statements when statements aren't needed. Um, They'll be releasing a statement on their new head coach soon based on the fact that Carson Wentz is his quarterback.
2: That's a good answer. I hadn't thought of them. It's a good one. You're right. Their defense needs to bounce back. I I thought they'd be good last year, and they stunk after they were good two years ago. Yeah. But even if they're good – and that division's not very good. I mean, got some faith in Dallas, and I'm curious about Philly – uh, Washington should be able to do some things, but I'm like you; I've got no faith in
0: Wentz.
4: They muddy the waters enough yeah, uh, to go, they do. you know, eight or nine wins. But that—that that is a—that's a zero factor team, yeah, in the NFL. Nobody Can I give you one honorable mention team that sure. I thought of? Minnesota.
2: A lot of people are big on Minnesota because they think under the, out from under the way to Mike Zimmer, who was just by the end surly and mean and miserable. They're gonna flourish, and they do have talent—Justin Jefferson and and Cook. A lot of people are picking them to be a surprise team. I'm not, but I think they'll be watchable. I think they're going to surprise because
4: you don't know how to prepare for them because their offense is no longer going to be a run-first, grind-it-out offense with Cook. Jefferson. Cook is going to be a piece to their puzzle. This is going to be a pass-first team with a. This is like if you put Dalvin Cook on the Rams. The offense itself still goes through the the arm of the quarterback and the wide receivers. And Minnesota's got the receivers to do it. And they have the running back, unlike the Rams, to be even more consistent in the run game. But I think they're going to flip-flop their point of emphasis offensively because of their new head coach. Justin
2: Jefferson's going to have a monster year.
4: Not overly encouraging
0: comments from their new general manager who just came out and said, yeah, we don't have Patrick Mahomes or are one of the great quarterbacks in the league. So we got we got to realize that and figure out how to win and win big with that as our situation now. And also said the top position that you don't want to just throw it in the fire and start over as quarterback. And we're kind of left in limbo right now with Kirk Cousins basically being just good enough, but never
4: going to be great. He's He's, he's,
2: super honest. I love him. I hope they don't tamp him down.
4: They have been with Kirk Cousins though. They have been extremely efficient when they throw the football. A lot of their offense is predicated on the run, and I'm interested to see what this young, pass happy, offensive guy is going to do. Uh, and it's just a one year deal with Kirk now, right? With yep. Cousins, yep. This is it. So you just you roll it out there, and Cousins in a contract year, albeit a forty five million dollar whatever he's getting per year contract Hunt year. Hot loves
2: a contract year.
4: Yeah. He's going to play fine and
2: green not a bake, great division
4: if, if they're not going to be better, you would I would expect and I realize we're talking about Aaron Aaron Rodgers here I would expect the Packers to come back down a little to the pecking order a bit based on the offense offensive talent that is no longer there and and the fact that you've got uh, some pieces some young pieces uh, across the division defensively that that should help out. Detroit's a wild card there, too.
2: I I think Minnesota should be a second place team. I think people are getting too excited about Detroit. Jared Goff is still their quarterback, everyone. Jared Goff.
4: Even Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl. That's true. He did.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, I don't think Dan Campbell is uh, Sean McVay.
0: Well, Dan Campbell bites ankles, (laughs) Sean McVay doesn't.
4: (laughs) He does do that. Uh, Coming up, we uh, hit some more headlines, including the Steelers making a a surprise cut right before training camp starts. Joe Burrow having a surgery right before training camp starts. That and more straight ahead on OutKick360.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
4: Outkick three sixty rolls on across the Outkick network. So uh, there's never a good time for appendicitis, but I mean, if you're going to have an appendectomy and you're an NFL quarterback who just played for a Super Bowl, chances are you'd rather that happen off season rather than in season and miss a game. And so, for that matter, uh, uh, that case, I guess Burrow is happy that he's having this done now and not a month or two from now or Four or five months from now, but Joe Burrow having surgery to remove his appendix right before training camp starts. It's not supposed to keep him out all that long, but you know, there's never great timing with it.
2: Never seems like quarterbacks have appendicitis in the off, off season. Like you never hear in March. Who was oh, it? Oh, quarterback so and so has. Yeah, appendicitis. if you could have
0: your pick of when to have the appendicitis, it would be in March, I'm sure. Yeah. But. This is not as bad as, like Hutton said, yeah. as week seven <laughs> in the middle of the season or the night before a game where you're going to miss two or three games. So There was a Titans quarterback
4: worse. who had this uh, in a game. Like, he got hit and then stayed Chris in Sims. Houston.
0: It was uh, Billy Volek ruptured his spleen in a game. He got hit so hard that his spleen was ruptured during a game. Yes. I, I remember that injury. Chris
2: Sims had worse than that, but it was before he's with the Titans, I think. Maybe while he was in Tampa Bay. I think that sounds familiar.
4: And the Steelers have released uh, Trey Edmonds right on the eve of camp. A uh, bit of a surprise there, uh, given how they run the football. So,
2: More for Najee Harris.
4: I guess. I mean, he, he's a key special teamer for them. Um, they, he had been, he'd been there four years, and it's now the fifth time that Edmonds has been released by the Steelers. But normally they've been doing it where you save the roster spot and then you you keep him on the right. roster initially and then you make a move and then you sign him back. Well you we know and- who they
2: signed recently is uh, former Titan Jeremy McNichols. So they've got Harris, Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, Jeremy McNichols as their top four right now.
0: I need to get Still. my injuries correct by the way. Um, it was a lacerated spleen, not a ruptured spleen suffered from Billy Volick. So I would he let you go his that spleen. One. I would have let you pie, with that's that a one. that's a hard hit. When you get hit so hard that that's, your spleen is lacerated, yeah. that's that's difficult.
4: Paul, uh, Giancarlo Stanton headed to the ten-day injured list. Ah, what you got? Well, Paul, they're, they're i are saying all it was Yankees 10-tonitis. right now.
0: I am all Yankees against the Mets right now. We need a we need a sweep for the Yankees because the Braves today, if they lose tonight against the Phillies, it'll be their only three-game losing streak of the season. They've yet to lose three straight wow. games That's all year.
2: very impressed. They
0: lost. They won two out of three against the Angels. They lost on Sunday. They blew it in the eight, bottom of the eighth, up, up a run last night, gave up a three-run homer, lost. If they lose tonight, they're going against Aaron Nola, who they're never good against, with the Phillies. That'll be their first losing streak of the season. Yanks have
2: officially made an offer for Soto, but uh, I think – Four or five other teams have as well, and we don't know the details of what that offer is. I wanted to raise this point, which pisses me off. I've seen St. Louis and San Diego both mentioned are front runners for him. Uh, I've seen that the Yankees are front runners for Ben and I've seen that the Brewers are front runners for Ben People, there, there can only be one front runner. <laughs> so if you give me five headlines at five different teams of front runners, I, I don't know what's happening. So I need some clarity to this report.
4: Well, they're, they're, Washington's playing against the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers fans were already bringing signs or jerseys. Oh, I love so welcoming him Sharing to him. Los Angeles. cheering him. Yeah, while he's taking the bat He gets a standing Washington.
0: ovation every time he steps up. a brilliant up a move. I mean,
4: you might as well expect it to be the one.
1: Welcome.